Come on, let's drink this guy. Like, <laughs> you're welcome, liver. Reunited and it feels so good. Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I am very happy right now. And I'm Anne, and I am also very happy right now because I get to be sitting next to you in the flesh. We're together! It's so great. It's the first time in what, almost two years that we're like actually sitting in the same space in the same state? I think the last time we saw each other, we drank was wine. Christmas 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right after Christmas in the Bay Area, we went to Donkey and Goat, which was one of our early episodes. Yep. And here we are. This feels so good. This feels good. Also, full disclosure, everyone, we're a couple of cocktails deep already, so it's going to be a doozy, this one. <laughs> Also, we are rushing a little bit because we have plans to drink later. So I feel like we're living up to our reputation. Yeah, I mean, you do what you gather. You just burn the candle from all ends. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you find a cork in your purse the next morning or five or whatever. Sure. It's fine. All right. So let's do what we always do, though, and kick us off with some cheers and jeers. And what are you cheersing and jeersing this week? Um, Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Cheers to being together. Oh, this is going to be such a love fest. Cheers to vacation. Cheers to Greg and Danny for their wedding. Congratulations. Just cheers all around. And I'll be honest, I have no jeers this week. I'm just happy. I love this. I love this. Um, very similar thread here. Cheers to you. I am so happy to see you here in the flesh. I love that you are here right now. I am mildly devastated that you are leaving me soon, but um, I'm just glad that we get to do this again. Same. And um, my jeers is also to you um, for going back to your life or fucking whatever. Look, I've got a cat and I love her. She needs me. She also has a husband, everyone. But she the, loves him. The cat too. needs he me. He loves her. So, yeah, she's got a life and a job and, like, stuff. So, I guess it's just not all sunshine and pools and cocktails. No. <laughs> and then reality came crashing back. So, I feel like uh, the last 48 hours have been kind of nothing but shenanigans. Oh, what yeah. Do we have, what do we have on deck? Well, I figured since um, we're reunited here in San Diego... And we've been drinking a lot, like a, like a lot, uh, that we could highlight a couple of really rad wine bars and wine merchants here in San Diego. Um, so if you are in the Southern California area or if you're visiting San Diego, I hear we get a lot of tourists. I see them on the roads. I may honk at them. It's fine. Um, but if you're here, these are some of our favorite places to check out. And I know people have probably heard us talk about them a little bit, but let's be real specific this time around. 
So uh, first is one of my absolute favorites, my home away from home, the extension of my living room, uh, the Rose in the South Park neighborhood of San Diego. They are really fantastic. They're woman-owned, and they really focus on natural wines. They also co-sponsor the Nat Diego Natural Wine Festival, which hopefully will be back with a vengeance in 2022. Um, they're just a rad place. They have great food. They have great wine. They just started doing cocktails. They just opened a bakery annex and they're working on a second project in North Park, uh, called Mabel's Gone Fishing that is going to be a gin and oyster bar. So, um, gin is Anne's second love after me. And so <laughs> I'm excited for them to open that new venture, but they're, they're really fantastic. So when did you start going to the Rose? Oh, man. Um, really, since they opened, because uh, th they were owned by a different owner first. And then um, Chelsea and Ray, the owners, took it over right around the time that I moved to this neighborhood, which was, what, seven, eight years ago. So um, I've been going there for years and I love them. I adore them. Um, I was a member of their wine club until like my wine inventory got out of control. Anne is literally rolling her eyes. The first thing she so said much wine when she walked in my house was like, okay, listen, we got to chat. We got to take care of some of this. And I know I gave her a lot of shit for keeping wine under her bed. And she's like, yeah, bitch. Well, apparently you keep wine everywhere. So shut your mouth. It's a lot right now. It's a lot. She's been traveling. She's been buying. It's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. She's ready to open her own shop. It's not. No, none of you can have my beauties. <laughs> so what's next on your list? Uh, next on my list is actually a fairly new player to the game here in San Diego. And it's Chloe and Normal Heights. And they are an awesome little bottle shop. They don't do food. They have, you know, a few like snacky items. So they really operate more as a bottle shop. But you can have a bottle there. You can have a glass there. They have a glass list. And they're also really fantastic. They specialize in natural wines as well. And they get a little bit more of um, some off the beaten path stuff. They carry one of my favorite bodegas from Lanzarote there. I've had like amazing urban wine from Austin, Texas. I've had sparkling from New Mexico. Um, I just picked up a Greek Chardonnay the last time I was in there. So their variety is incredible. And if you like to drink outside of the United States, um, that's your place. Um, I actually found a Valle wine the last time I was in there too, which I was very excited about one I hadn't tried yet. So they do a really great job curating their collections and their price points are amazing. So if you're going to do like a picnic day or a beach day and want to pick up a nice bottle like that's your spot to go to you also have said such great things about the owners of clo um, yeah they are super rad um it's mary couple paul and jury and they are fantastic um they came from new york i believe and open not too long before the pandemic started. So I really wanted to make an effort to support them. They are incredibly nice people. They are so nice, in fact, that they actually did a special delivery to Anne's uh, aunt and uncle uh, who live a little bit closer towards East County, San Diego at Christmas time. Um, they're just rad. So I would definitely check them out. It's easy. They have an adorable patio. 
And they've always got, like, some funky, fun, delicious magic happening. So after Chloe, what is next on your list? So next on my list is Vino Carta in Little Italy. They are, again, a bottle shop. So they don't do food. They have been doing kind of guest chefs that come in. So they have, like, a paella night. They'll have a taco night. Uh, They do it a couple times a month, so those are cool. But honestly, it's just such a great place to go and grab a glass. Also, this is a good place to, like, stock up on some really solid bottles. Mm -hmm. The thing I love about Vino Carta is their range. I mean, they've got, like, some high-end, hundreds of dollars, French, bougie-ass shit. And then they've got, like... A $19 bottle from Portugal that's going to be absolutely delightful. Um, So, you know, they've got a really wide range. Their staff is super knowledgeable. If you do venture into Little Italy, I highly recommend, if you're there on a weekend, making a full day of it. You know, doing the shopping, the eating, the farmer's markets on Saturday. Um, or going during the week when it's not like batshit crazy, which is my preference. Like I want to be there at four o'clock on a Wednesday, having a glass of wine on their cute little parklet that they've put out. So that's, that's another option too. But again, if you're a tourist visiting San Diego, Little Italy is... It's not fun if you live here, but it's fun if you're visiting. Oh, absolutely. And lots of good food in that neighborhood. And, like, when I moved to San Diego, what, like, 16 years ago, like, that neighborhood sucked. (laughs) I mean, there were some cute little restaurants, but it was rough going down there. And um, it's, you know, it's really nice now. The city has poured a lot of resources into making it a much more inviting, welcoming place. And what I love about it, too, is, like, you're walking down the street and there's still, like, a cute little Queen Anne house and then a restaurant and then another cute little house. So it very much is a neighborhood still. And they've managed to preserve that even with kind of building it out and making the area a lot nicer. All right. And then the last one on our list is an old stomping ground of mine. Um, this is probably the first wine bar I started going to regularly in San Diego. Uh, it was the first wine bar wine club I joined ever. And that's Village Vino in Kensington. Mm-hmm. And Kensington is this adorable little neighborhood uh, off the 15. It's got a cute park. It's got some adorable little um, restaurants. Two of my dear friends who now live in Spain used to live there. Like, it's such a great neighborhood. And Village Vino is rad. Um, and again, when I started going there, it was owned by this amazing woman who was um, a former banker, retired banker, bank executive, who when she retired was like, you know, I'm just going to go to Italy and France and like learn about wine because I like it. And she did. And she came back and she opened this wine bar. And her name was Rita. She was amazing. She eventually sold the business um, because her and her wife had to relocate. I want to say the Tennessee. I'm not going to lie. That's a choice. I, 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 I missed her. Um, but again, the staff there is still great. The selections there are still great. Um, they carry a little, some wines that are probably a little bit more for the traditional palate, which, you know, is great too. Like the year, if you're looking for a solid summer rose, if you're looking for 
a great shard. If you're looking for um, a Beaujolais, like they've got you covered. They've got some really beautiful um, classic French varietals, Bordeaux blends, Burgundy um, wines. So check them out. They also do tastings quite often. Um, they did a series recently of San Diego wineries versus Baja wineries. Mm. Yeah, I, I was out of town, so I couldn't go, but I've done a number of tastings with them, and they're all really fun and really, again, well-priced. So check them out. I was going to say, that would be your jam. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's going to be a clear winner, but still my jam. <laughs> so those are Drea's local recommendations. If you find yourself in uh, San Diego or really, I would say, just in the Southern California area, you know, it's definitely worth coming down and hitting up some of these spots and, hey, even traveling a little bit further and going south of the border and trying some good stuff down there, too. Absolutely. And... I may have an East Coast trip planned in the not-so-distant future, so keep listening for Anne's wine picks in New York. Oh, the pressure's on! Yeah, I was like, <laughs> all right, now I have to find some wine places. You have wine places. Stop it. You guys, she goes and she buys wine. She knows what she's doing. She's just be modest. <laughs> I follow directions really well, you oh, guys. Jesus, Okay. <laughs> So an even further celebration of our reunion, we are drinking a wine this episode produced right here in San Diego. Hooray! So, hurrah! So also, we saw Robin Hood, the Disney cartoon last night. So we've just been, you know, talking like Oodalollying it up. Why not? Uh, San Diego wines are interesting. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them. Kind of like your relationship with San Diego. Just, yeah. In ge- like, I want to love it, but I'm like, why do you sort of suck at this? There's a lot to love, and there are some things that make you insane. Yeah. And and the wines here, frankly, are, are one of them. Mm-hmm. But the bottle that we have today, I think, is... Uh, an exception to this rule. And I actually had this wine once before at a friend's house during the pandemic, who is in my little neighborhood pandemic pod. And I went over one night for like a bottle of wine. And six bottles later, I stumbled. <laughs> so um, that's, I mean... Look, guys, 2020 was rough. I don't know what to tell you all. It, it. I'd like to say it's a rare occurrence, but that was the year that changed some stuff. But maybe this finding this wine was one of the good things to come yeah, out of it? absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what we're drinking today is the Los Pilares BPN, which stands for Black Pet Nat. And it is a dark sparkling red wine um, that is in fact a pet nap from 2017 so the reason we picked it was one sounds fun right just sounds like a joy two we all know how much Anne loves a fucking pet nap so we really wanted to welcome her home in uh, a way that she would be pleased with and then finally I don't know about all of you but it's supposed to be fall I want to drink red wines I want to decorate my house with pumpkins. I want to watch spooky shit all the time. I want tea. I want to be cozy. And yet, 
I was lying by a pool today drinking gin because my life is so hard and it's so hot. <laughs> I was going to say, she's talking about all this fall bullshit, but we spent the morning at the pool like it is still July. I mean, I live in San Diego. I'm going to be doing that in November still. It doesn't matter. That's one Fair. of the things I love. But also, I want to drink some red wine. So this seems like a happy medium for like late summer, early fall, if you're still sweating your balls off at this point. Uh, price point on this is, it depends on where you get it. So if you're getting it kind of direct, which you can order from Los Polaris, you're looking at around mid-20s, 25, 26. If you were buying it at a wine shop, I've seen the markup as high as like 35. Wow. So it does, you know, vary quite a bit. Um, this may be one you want to shop around or just buy direct from. And the ABV on this is 12%, which is really like our sweet spot on this podcast, I think. Yep. All right. So let's talk about Los Pilares and my difficult relationship with San Diego. So uh, the varietal for this particular bottle that we're drinking is a Grenache Noir. And uh, like I said, it is a pet nat. So it is bottle fermented. It is unfiltered and it has some natural, like fairly gnarly yeast from what I remember. Um, if you recall, there were six bottles open that night. So, you know, who can say we're just going to go for it? So we've had a couple of Grenaches on this podcast before. Are what's, you sensing a theme? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask, what's the difference between a Grenache and a Grenache Noir? So, Nora just means, like, dark, like, red, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, a fancy thing, I think, that they just call it to be fancy. Great. Good to know. <laughs> Disappointing, <laughs> but good to I'm know. I'm sorry. I have no good answer for you on this one. Okay. I'm sure some, like, real wide person right now is, like, this dumb hoe, but, um, if yeah. you would like to tell Andrea that she's a dumb hoe, please email us at twogirlsandagrape at slide into my DMs. I love that. I love it. Okay, so what about this wine? Okay, so what I find really interesting about this wine, and, you know, when we taste it, we can talk about this more. The, this wine is coming from vines that are only about five years old. So these are incredibly young vines. And part of that has to do with, like, the crazy history of San Diego wine country. In that it, it in and of itself is fairly young in terms of a modern wine producing area and also it burns down about every 10 years so like you know that's just the reality of living in california these days um i don't know if anybody noticed but we are legit constantly on fire so they are very young vines um the sand the soil that you find in this particular region of san diego which is uh referred to as south coast that's the the kind of Appalachian area is mostly granite and decomposed granite. So um, it tends to be really, really dry soil. Uh, in terms of fermentation, what they do with this one is it occurs spontaneously with native yeast in like big open vats. Like that's the initial process. The wine is then pressed into tanks and um, it's whole cluster. And then that all that secondary fermentation happens in the bottle as is customary with a pet nat. So there is no, you know, just quick recap, champagne method goes through a fermentation process in the 
the tank, the bottle, and then there's a whole thing about like disgorging and removing the yeast and all of that. None of that happens with this one. So it's just in the bottle. It's just in the bottle. So everything that's going to come out of that bottle, that's what went into that bottle. It's unfiltered. It doesn't get disgorged. And you will see when you get the bottle sediment on the bottom. Um, so in, ter in terms of the region, let's talk a little bit about South Coast San Diego County. And it's really located primarily in like the northeastern center of the county. Uh, and the region is primarily known for kind of bigger wines. So Chardonnays, Merlots, you know, all of Andrea's favorites and super Tuscans. Andrea's super favorite, which none of you have heard me bitch about yet, but I hate it so much. Uh, tend to be really heavy, robust ice. I, that's a nicer word than I should probably use wines. There's, there's a difficult hand here. And part of it is like, this is pretty, this is a rough region to grow in. Really? Yes. So shockingly so. And, you know, the, the South Coast region has long been associated with quantity rather than quality okay. over the years, right? But this is changing. And you have um, vineyards like Los Pilares that are really trying to do more with less. So paying a lot more attention to their viticulture practices, paying a lot more attention to their winemaking fermentation practices and focusing on um, lower yield, but higher quality wines, which is, you know, important if you're trying to really make a wine of quality that's going to stand up to, you know, other regions here in California. And a lot of this happened for, for two reasons. So one, in the 90s, there was a bacterial disease called uh, Pierces that tore through the vineyards in this area and really destroyed a lot of them. And then in the early and mid-2000s, you had a whole series of fires that tore through Temecula, Rancho Bernardo, Ramona, um, areas where there are a lot of these vines that grow. So because of that, you now have kind of new opportunities to rethink what a vineyard in this region really looks like and does. But at the same time, you don't have that history that you had with other wines that we've drank where it's like, you know, you're on an island and these grapes are 400 years old. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it, it is a relatively new, like, commercial region in that way. But on the flip side of that, see, this, this whole thing is, like, crazy to me. Because on the flip side of that, San Diego County is actually the home to the state of California's oldest grapevines. Okay. When the Franciscan monk, Father Junipero Serra... Colonizer. Yes, absolutely. Came to California... And committed genocide. Again, absolutely true. And founded the series of missions that enslaved indigenous peoples and also killed them. All true. He also planted grapes. He also planted grapes. So just like the Romans were like, ah, we have conquered you. Here, make us wine. Same deal. 
It's These almost are... like the Spanish were colonized by the Romans before they started colonizing America. <laughs> I mean, who could say? It's Colonization is a flat circle. It just keeps happening. So uh, vines have essentially been growing in this area since 1769. That's when they were originally planted. Um, and then in 1833, the first European grape varietals were planted uh, in Los Angeles and in San Diego counties, including Cobb Frank, Sauvignon Blanc, and Bordeaux. So there's a long legacy of winemaking in the area. Uh, and in the era immediately before the Prohibition period, San Diego County was actually one of the biggest wine industries in the state of California and actually produced more wine than Napa and Sonoma. Interesting. Yeah. And what happens is, one, prohibition, right? So you get the law against alcohol and they start making grape juice rather than wine, which doesn't like go over super well for anyone involved, to be quite honest. Thanks, Welches. <laughs> and then the other thing is urbanization. Okay. So it's during those periods, like the 30s and the 40s, that Los Angeles and San Diego really start to grow as urban centers in Southern California. So we're sort of stop being that agricultural space and start being an urban or suburban landscape. Right, exactly. So you have a lot more energy being poured into kind of taming the landscape and less into thinking about terroir and what it can yield, right? Another form of colonization. Look at that. Look at that. California is really killing it in those regards. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing about San Diego that makes it tough is the climate. It's fucking hot here. It is quite warm. And inland, it's really fucking hot. Uh, and so, and the latitude is lower. So it's, you know, much lower or further south than any of Europe's like main wide wine regions. Um, it's a little bit closer to like the North African kind of style. I mean, not that wines don't grow there. Um, I mean, I've had Moroccan wines. They're fantastic. Uh, drink a lot of wines from Baja. They're great. But there's just something. It's just different. Yeah, it's just very different. And, you know, I think for a long time, too, a lot of the vineyards here have operated more on the premise of give the people what they want or what we think the people want versus give the people what the land will give us. And right. so you have... Like, all these vineyards, like, mostly in Temecula, I'm going to hate on it a little bit, that do these super Tuscan blunt, just like, that just, like, aren't suited for this climate, for this terroir, for these soils. Yeah. And they just suck. <laughs> so, you know, but there are good wines here. Like, I have had good wines in San Diego, but I think the winemaking has to be very intentional and very methodical. Um, and I, I think Los Polares does that. They've also been a leader in the natural wine industry here in San Diego County too. So um, I appreciate all the work that they've done to sort of change the, the perception of local wines. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about Los Pilares? I would love to. So Los Pilares is comprised of three partners, uh, Coleman Coney, Jay McCarthy, and Michael Christian. And they made wine for other places. 
And they were also, they also were from kind of this tradition of like backyard growers and garage winemakers um, or other like wine industry professionals, like distributors and things like that. Um, And they decided to form Los Pilares and their first vintage was released in 2010. So again, fairly new to the game. Uh, And, you know, they're really invested, I think, in showcasing what the San Diego terroir is capable of. Um, and kind of dispelling some of the mythologies that these wines have to be a certain thing and really using their viticultural practices to, um, you know, create wines that are truly reflective of the region here. And so, um, they're, they're typical like San Diegans, though. It's hilarious. So uh, Coney and Christian actually came of age sort of towards the end of the 70s. And um, they grew up, you know, to love drinking California wine in an era where Christian has, says, <laughs> has said it was still great, right? And so before it got just a little, you know, too... A little too much. A little too much. A little too big for its britches. A little too, like, Napa wine train-ish. Before Sideways came out. Before fucking Sideways came out and ruined everything. Um, And they, you know, found themselves as adults sort of no longer enjoying these wines, which Kristen says, and he, I quote, overripe, overblown, and overoaked. And I could not agree more. So I think with their experimental wine making practices, especially in the beginning, they were really invested in kind of like completely blowing that apart, right? Really deconstructing that and kind of taking winemaking practices back to basics. So um, the black pet pet nat that we're drinking, uh, I want to share a little bit about what they have to say about this particular wine. They say, quote, it relates to solving a San Diego County culinary problem. And is inspired by old-fashioned Lambrusco and 100% Grenache Noir BPN. It does tank tart and effervescence red design to be served chilled. And so the culinary problem is this. San Diegans like to eat and it's fucking hot here, especially during this time of year where we have sort of that Indian summer um, that comes late in September, October. I mean, and we have like early November, it'll still be 80 degrees here. It's going to be miserable for some time. You know, what do you eat when you live in Southern California and over half the year is essentially what you can call in the culinary terms grilling season, right? And where the temperatures are hovering somewhere between like 70 and 85, pretty much consistently. And so this wine is really something that can be a jack of all trades in terms of pairing. And I've read a lot of reviews that talk about, you know, you can pair it with seafood, you can pair it with a charcuterie spread, you can pair it with burgers you can pair it with carne asada you can pair it with a california burrito so uh lots of options and versatility with this particular one so if you feel like grilling something if you feel like having something a little more formal this is a wine that will suit you in this climate yeah absolutely and if you feel like you know you still want to drink something chilled yeah 
All right, should we crack that bottle open? I would love to. It's still rolling here, right? We better be. Yeah, we're still going. We're still going. Okay. All right, so we've cracked open this bottle. It was a real shit show, everybody. Uh, we're going to post a video on our Instagram before the episode so you can sort of see what you're getting into. But there was some spillage. There was just a, just a, just a little. really exciting. Just a little spillage. So, um, yeah. Have a tea towel. <laughs> be ready for it. But let's get into our tasting discussion. And the first thing I want to talk about is the color. It's beautiful. I mean, I feel like I say that every episode, and maybe it's just because I like wine, but it's really pretty. I mean, it's kind of opaque. Like, you can't really, you know, it's not clear. It's definitely got, like we were talking about in the last episode, it's got that... um, Cloudy, unfiltered. Yeah. It almost looks like cranberry juice. It really does. Like, it's such a pretty red. Garnet, almost. Yeah. And it is unfiltered. So, you know, don't be freaked out. If you see stuff floating around, you're going to be fine. It's supposed to be that way. I'm actually having a little bit of trouble telling, like, what is sediment and what is bubbles. There's also bubbles going on in here, which I love. And do you remember my storage slash serving rules for pet gnats? Let's see if you've been paying attention to me. So you have to chill it. And it needs... So it goes in the fridge. It goes in the fridge upright. Yes. At least 24 hours ahead of time, and then all of the sediment will sink to the bottom, and you will have a clearer drink. I'm so proud of you. It's I like love I, you so much. It's almost like I listen to you more than you listen to you when I, we make I, these podcasts. I don't know why that would be the case. <laughs> and full disclosure, though, with this particular bottle, because there is such a whoosh of um, carbonation that comes up when you open it, it does toss the sediment around a little bit. So you're going to see more of it floating through the bottle. That's okay. Just keep it on ice. Keep it in your glass for a minute or two. It's going to settle out. Like, don't worry too much. Also, like, if you get a chunk or two, it's not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. Look, if you've had a kombucha, if you've had a loose leaf tea, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. All right, let's give this a swirl and give it a sniff. I mean, I know I just said kombucha, but I'm getting a little bit of that, like... Yeastiness? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really typical with a pet nat, right? Like... I'm not mad about it. You get some yeastiness, you get some breadiness. I'm not getting a ton of fruit on the nose with this. I've got to be honest. So, um, hopefully, I don't have COVID. She fully vaxxed, you guys. But I'm not getting a ton of fruit. Maybe I literally just dipped my nose in that one. Guys, we've had a couple of drinks already. We've it's it's been a week, you guys. Uh, I'm gonna say though, maybe a little raspberry, little rhubarb, but very faint. Are you getting any herbs? Some tarragon, some thyme. I was thinking sage. Okay. Is that what you had in your cocktail last night? Possible. Who knows? Who can say? All right. So there's some late summer red fruit. There's some herbaceousness to it. There's definitely that yeasty kind of brioche background that I think is very, um, or sourdough background that's very um, 
in alignment with a pet nat. It almost reminds me of like um, a breakfast pastry, like that brioche sense with like maybe like some vague fruit thrown in the middle and then baked. Some vague fruit. <laughs> I was down at the Vandekamp Bakery. I got a Danish in a plastic sack. With some vague fruit. With some vague fruit. You really saw. I went to Costco. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting some, like, Costco Danish on the nose. It's like when you go up to the free samples. Also, we're not we're not saying that any of this is bad. Like, all no. of these are good Into things. Into it. I mean, there were plenty of times where, like, free samples at Costco sounds like lunch. Are you ready to stop sticking your nose in it and start sticking I am. It in your that mouth? was actually not fun. Okay. I know I'm supposed to be tasting, but I just love the feel of bubbles. You can definitely taste the cement. I mean, there's like you can feel it in the texture mm-hmm. on this one more so than I think the previous pet nats. But again, uh, I'm not mad about it. No. If you like Guinness. If you like Guinness. Also, this is nowhere near as heavy as Guinness. Oh no. Honestly. To me, this this really just tastes like a like a, a white pet nap. <laughs> you know, it's it's so crisp and light. It's got it's giving me like some slightly underripe apple, uh, like early season apple. Um, there is a little bit of that jamminess to it that like blackberry, raspberry. Uh, that's coming from the Grenache. There's a little bit of like some blueberry in there. It is it what on the nose you don't get a lot of fruit, but I actually think it's fairly fruit forward. And to me, and and you can probably speak to this way better than I can, it almost pours like a cider or a sour. Yeah, I think it's like to me, it's pretty similar to like a lambic style beer. Okay. Um, which is also like wild yeast fermented. Um, actually, I think that would be a beer you would be really into, except you don't like sweet things and they're typically relatively sweet. Um, but it's a lot like that. I think it it kind of when I first tasted it, I was like, oh, this is like this is kind of like a flavored iced tea. It's not overpoweringly sweet. There's definitely that fruit element. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, again, a little bit of a bitterness that I'm not yeah. mad about. No, it, it's got a little bit of that sour finish that and again like that um tart sourdough kind of um back feeling to the mouth that you get i i will say this i think both of our moms would willingly pour this over ice and jam out on it absolutely they would also not gonna lie out a little seven up yeah that's our moms yeah hey mom hi mom (laughs) (laughs) but it's good you could drink it either way yeah and it's and you know, earlier when we were talking about the winemakers and sort of their answer to the San Diego culinary scene, I completely see that with this wine. Yeah. You know, so it is technically a red, but it is very light. It is very refreshing. You, you could serve this with almost anything, I think, and it would stand up to it really well and pair with it really well. Dare we give it the title of Porch Pounder? Oh, heck yeah. Like 100. I mean, what have we been doing all week? <laughs> So let's talk about some pairings. Uh, what do you, I mean, since we've basically have eaten our way, <laughs> gluttonously eaten our way through San Diego, uh, what, what are you going to pair with this? 
So last night, Andrea and I went to my favorite restaurant in San Diego, Kindred. Yes. And we had their Caesar salad, among way too many other things. We ordered so many things. But I feel like this and their Caesar salad would be mm. really excellent. Like, it wouldn't, it, it's not overpowering, but I feel like it would be refreshing against the creaminess of their dressing. Yeah. The complimentary, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. I could see that. This would also go really well with their popcorn. Mm-hmm. So they make one of my favorite things there is their popcorn. And it's got herbs and chili oil. And last night it was particularly spicy. And it was also particularly humid. <laughs> and this would have been great to go with that popcorn. Like this would have been a better choice than the fucking bourbon I was drinking like a jackass. So, yeah, I know we're not to situations yet, but for that one, like, wild summer storm where it just, the heavens open, it pours down rain, pop a bottle of this, go stand on your porch, go stand on your patio and just enjoy the rain and the refreshment of this. I love that. We should have done this last night. I mean, those clouds in the sky. There is a flash flood warning as we speak, so Mm -hmm. we could still have our dream. (laughs) So that would be my situation. Late summer thunderstorm. Late summer thunderstorm. I like that. My situation is it's fall. You wish. Shut up. (laughs) I'm reading cozy things. I have lots of candles lit. One of them is a basic bitch pumpkin spice candle. It's nice and cozy, and my air conditioner is on, and I am drinking this because it's still 80 degrees outside at 8 p.m. (laughs) That's my ideal situation. (laughs) That's how they do fall in Southern California. Also, I would totally have this with carne asada tacos. Like, if if we're going full, like, San Diego style here... I just think that with a taco, it's going to be delicious. And I, so I, I love Mexican food. Shocking. (laughs) But Mexican food is, is always been really challenging for me to pair with wine. Probably because my family's always like, well, tequila. And I'm like, okay. But also, you know, you've got to get it right. And that's been one of the draws of spending a lot of time in Valle is, you know, really starting to match more of those flavors. But this is... Like, and all you need is, like, the carne asada, the onions, the cilantro. That's it. No other bullshit. Just that. This wine. You're good to go. Yeah. Dare I ask what you're reading? We've been spending a lot of time talking about what we're reading. None of it is good, just so you all know. (laughs) I feel really inclined to read this with some, like, a crime novel. I was going to say true crime, but I don't want anything true. I want, like, a full-on Like the Maltese Falcon? No, that's very classy, but like, <laughs> like a more recent Gone Girl. Oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Some Gillian Flynn, sure, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also or like my sister, the psychopath, or my sister, oh, the, the serial, serial killer. killer. Yep, or um, even like a Big Little Lies. Yep, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yep. thing. Yep, yeah. Give me Nicole Kidman. All of it. All of it. Is that what we're watching? To oh, wait, Maybe. is she going to be the celebrity we're drinking Maybe. with? I think she should be. Um, Her or Jay Cool. Oh, why can't we have it all? I feel like we could have it all. Yeah. What are we listening to? There's something about this wine that lingers. That that's like a little suspenseful. 
Oh, I was like, so we're listening to the Cranberries? No? Okay, sorry. You might be. God. I just feel like there's something, like there, there is something about this wine that makes you come back for a second sip. Mm-hmm. You know? Certainly. There's something yeah. intriguing about this. It is a little like tongue slapping your brain a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I want some music that kind of gives me a little of that. But I don't know what. Like some jazz, maybe? Blues? Maybe blues. Maybe some blues? Give me some, like, broken-hearted crooning and some harmonica. I've got some Coltrane. If you can croon broken-heartedly and play the harmonica. Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan would be good with this. Okay. Or, yeah. You know what? I think that's a perfect pairing. It's a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but I still really love it. I respect it for what it is. And it's all about the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Bob Dylan. So Bob Dylan. So we're listening to, we're eating Caesar salad and carne asada tacos. We are listening to Bob Dylan. It, we are pretending that it's fall and we have invited Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Coolidge to come hang out with us. And we're on the patio in a rainstorm. This sounds like the perfect evening to be quite honest with you. Awesome. And if you like it, uh, and you are as intrigued as we are by this bottle, um, again, you can buy direct through their website. So you can find them at lospilares.com or through their business partner, Charlie and Echo. Um, Charlie and Echo is an urban winery as well here in San Diego, uh, and they work pretty closely together. So they do ship direct. They also have pretty fair distribution um across the country so definitely look for them even if you can't find this particular bottle they do other pet nuts they do a sour and they do some stills so check them out for sure and uh for our next bottle wait do we have a next bottle drea is sending me home with some goodies so keep an eye out on instagram to find out what we decide to drink next you can follow us at Two Girls and a Grape Pod. That's two, all spelled out, T-W-O, Girls and a Grape Pod. We always say that you can tweet at us at Two Girls and a Grape, but, like, good luck with that. I don't say that. You say that. <laughs> and you can email us at Two Girls and a Grape Pod, just like on Instagram, all spelled out at gmail.com. So let us know... Um, what you're drinking follow us on there to find out what we'll be drinking next and you know if you are enjoying this if you are enjoying the wines that we're drinking if you are enjoying the shenanigans that we get up to the best way to support this podcast is to follow like and leave a review on apple itunes or wherever you get your podcast yeah show your bitches some love and until next time oh until next time salud Salud.